Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm 133, if you would, please. Psalm 133. Thank you, Wes, and all the worship team for leading us in worship. I appreciate all the uh, hard work. As you can imagine, all of, uh, all of this team and, and many others are volunteers, and they put in a lot of extra time to make this happen, and I appreciate that so very much. We sure hope you have a great time. We've kind of designed uh, the meeting for there to be some great time and then the worship services as well as some instruction in the mornings. And then we gave you the free time in the afternoon to uh, go enjoy uh, the city. There's a lot of great things to do. And uh, if I can help you with uh, directing you to any uh, restaurant or any just place to hang out, coffee shops, a beach, whatever, uh, whatever you would like to do, we certainly would love to help you with that. And uh, I look forward to fellowshipping with you. I, I've told a few guys, uh, me and, and some of the other speakers, we're just kind of here for you. So in the afternoons, if you want to stop by and you want to have some conversation, we would really love that. And of course, we don't want to monopolize your time at all. We want you to enjoy this time with your spouse or your friends. And uh, it's just a real privilege for us to have you here with us. I, I'm going to speak to you tonight on, uh, on, the sub, on this subject that I, I think really summarizes and captures what my heart has been from the very beginning of Church Advance. Church Advance uh, really uh, started really as a podcast is, is what happened. And, and God has seen fit to allow this podcast to be a lot of fun and a slightly controversial every once in a while. Uh, but uh, really the goal of the, of the podcast and now the meeting and just all of our time together is just to push and promote and encourage Really what Jesus would be pleased with among those people that know the gospel and believe the Bible. And that is that we would be striving together for the faith of the gospel. And, and, and so oftentimes um, we dice that down and deduce that so far that nobody can really get along and do anything together. And that's really not what God would be pleased with. And so what we have done is we have brought guests and we have got different preachers that have different positions on different things, and we talk about it openly and try to display that that's a good thing, and it's okay, and you can serve the Lord and, and the vineyard that God has called you to, and you can do it the way that God has called you to do it, and I can do it the way God's called me to do it, and because we're on the same team in every true way, those people that believe the word of God and believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior of the universe, those people together should be those people that find every way possible, every way possible to work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so oftentimes that has unfortunately not been uh, my experience. And I'm guessing that you're here because it's probably not always been your experience either. Good news is we're here with friends and we're going to have a great time talking about just that. Would you look please at our text for tonight in Psalm 133, beginning at verse number 1, where the Bible says here, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, Descending upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. Amen. This is God's word. 
Tonight, I want to speak to you on the subject, how good it is, the blessing of ministry brotherhood. Every Christmas, I find myself seeing a list of the greatest Christmas movies of all time. Every time I've ever seen this list, there's always the Christmas story, there's always Miracle on, what is it, 34th Street, I don't really like that one. And then there's, of course, Elf, Elf always makes the top five list. But I'm very disappointed to tell you tonight that every list I've ever seen has completely missed the obvious greatest Christmas movie ever. That would be... No. <laughs> Clearly. Rocky Four. Can there be any doubt that that is by far the most exciting Christmas movie ever? I haven't really begun the journey of taking my children through the Rocky story because I just haven't found the time to get it all working right. You know, you'll, you'll see him being replayed on television and... You'll tune in one night and it's Rocky 3 and then it's Rocky 4. And I've talked about Rocky a lot with my son Brent in particular. And, I, and, and one night during the Christmas break, he even saw Rocky 4. It was a listed. And he said, Dad, can we watch Rocky 4? You've been talking about it. I said, son, you cannot watch Rocky 4 unless you watch Rocky 1. And then you watch Rocky 2 and then Rocky 3 because you couldn't possibly understand the magnitude of what happens in Rocky IV, if you do not know who Apollo Creed is and you do not know who Rocky is and you don't know where they came from and why they have this relationship and, and you could not possibly understand how significant it was when Ivan Drago came to America and started talking trash about American boxers in the middle of the Cold War. This was no doubt the most epic moment in Rocky history. And Ivan Drago comes in and he begins to talk about how superior their athletes are and, and basically picks a fight with Apollo Creed, the greatest champion of all times. And Apollo Creed agrees to an exhibition match and they get into a fight. And of course, you all remember Apollo's entrance into the fight to living in America. Is that not like one of the greatest moments in movie history? He comes in and of course starts off the, the fight pretty Normal for Apollo, but then very, very quickly, Ivan Drago begins beating Apollo Creed to a pulp, ultimately leading to his death in the ring. And then Rocky steps in and declares that they're going to have a fight, a real fight. And this fight is actually going to take place in Moscow on Christmas day of all days and of course uh, Adrian protests and says she's not going to come and ultimately she ends up showing up and, and, and then there's this battle of preparation. Drago is in all the high equipment and taking steroids and Rocky's out on some farm somewhere uh, splitting logs. I mean is this just not intense or what? Like I could just play it tonight if you want. <laughs> of course the fight comes and 
And, and as, as all the Rocky movies, it's a back and forth battle. And, and there's no way you would think that Rocky could win against this specimen. And yet, as the battle goes on, Rocky starts coming back. How many of you remember when Drago gets cut? What a moment, right? He gets cut, and all of a sudden there's this hope that Rocky can win. Of course, as it goes, Rocky does win. Uh, not before the crowd turns toward Rocky's favor and starts cheering not for their champion, but actually cheering for Rocky. And, and there's this amazing buildup to where Rocky wins. And then, of course, Rocky gives one of his famous speeches. Now, don't you just love Rocky's speeches and just Rocky in general, all right? I, my favorite scene in all of the Rockies is Rocky II when Adrian gives birth to their son. And, and Rocky shows up at the hospital. She's been out for like several days or whatever. And, and finally gets, she wakes up and finally gets to see his baby boy. And he looks at her and goes, you did good, Adrian, right? It was amazing. You did good. And so now we come to the end of Rocky IV. And, and, and Rocky is, is, is addressing the crowd that is now cheering for him. And, and, and you remember the speech? I've been seeing a lot of change here tonight. Changing you. Changing me. And then he makes this statement. I love it. If I can change, and you can change, everybody can change. I'm speaking to you tonight as someone who has been changed. And if I can change, you can change. Specifically, I mean. My whole background in life and ministry has been completely and utterly consumed with separation from people who love Jesus Christ and love the Bible. And to be quite honest with you, looking back, I can't believe that that's once where I was, but I was. And there was a work that God did in my heart through the word, through the spirit, and through experience to transform my heart. To help me to see that by far the emphasis in the Bible on how God's people are to interact with one another is absolutely not how much can we stay away from each other over small and insignificant things. But rather how we actually should be together in unity. And that's exactly what this passage calls for. This passage is matched in the New Testament by John 17 where Jesus calls his disciples not just the ones that were with him but the ones that were going to follow him, like us, to a life of unity that would reflect the Trinity and would be an example of what it is to be a follower of the true and living God. And unfortunately, I think in our culture, for whatever reason, our, our autonomy became our idol. And our emphasis on autonomy forced us to become actually isolated and separated in ways that no doubt, at least where, from where I stand, created an unhealthy and unbiblical disunity in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that needs to come down quicker than the Berlin Wall. Now to be clear, I am certainly not talking about uh, separating or not separating over actual things that actually matter. There is a Bible, and it is true, and it is authentic, and it is the Word of God, and we all agree on that. And there is a gospel, only one, about Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection, but 
The very fact of the matter is, I think many in many cases, what we have found ourselves around, what we have found ourselves embracing either directly or indirectly is a, a separation from people that far transcends what God would tell us should be something or someone that we would separate from. Folks, you cannot read the Bible and come away believing anything else other than God wants his people to be united in reaching others with the gospel. Uh, our, our Christian world became uh, just literally enraged over the last week uh, from this Grammy performance. And I don't know anything about it. Evidently, Sam Smith and Kim Petras decided to dress up like devils and sing like devils. And boy, the world got all tore up about this. And I loved uh, what one man said about this literally just yesterday online. Listen to this very carefully. He said, the performance by these people does not shock me. I expect non-Christians to act like non-Christians. He said, but I am shocked by pastors who, who act outraged by their performance, yet spend a large portion of their influence online in sermons and through articles attacking other pastors and Christians. It shocks me that pastors attack pastors who preach the gospel without compromise, yet dress a little differently than I do. He said, I'm shocked by pastors attacking pastors who preach the gospel boldly, but rather use different music or preaching styles in their church services. I'm shocked by pastors attacking pastors who unashamedly preach Jesus as mankind's only hope, but use slightly different methods or programs than I do in my church. I'm shocked, he said, by pastors attacking pastors who actually believe that the Bible is the fully inspired and God-breathed final authority for the church, but use a different translation of the Bible when they study or even when they preach. In a time when the church needs to stand strong together for the gospel of Jesus, we are weakening ourselves by destroying our own body, and then we act shocked when the culture has less influence from the church on it now than ever before. Folks, we need to be shocked by pastors who call out evil on a screen but justify the evils of divisiveness, deception, and personal destruction within their hearts, online, and with brothers and sisters in Christ in other churches. It's dangerous, it's damaging, and it is, in fact, devilish. Tonight... I want to encourage you to return to the biblical picture. What does the Bible encourage us as Christians and pastors and ministry leaders to do? Answer, we are to be unified and work together in any and every way that we possibly can to see the kingdom of God advance and the gospel go forward. So let me share with you from Psalm 133 four statements about unity that I believe would please God if we would grab a hold of. Number one, I want you to see that unity is news worth making the front page. Unity is news worth making the front page. Notice the first word of Psalm 133 and verse number one. It is the word, behold. It is a word that is used many times in Scripture, but oftentimes in Scripture... It is specifically used as a demonstrative participle used to point out people, places, and things worthy of us stopping long enough to consider actually what is being said. Let me give you an example. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Behold, 
a virgin will conceive and bring us forth a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Somebody help me up here. That's news worth making the front page, isn't it? A virgin is going to give birth to a child in a miraculous scene birthed by God himself. Never been done before, never been done since. That's news worth making the front page. How about this one? In John chapter 1 verse 29, when John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan River and he looks up and sees Jesus coming. And what does he say? Behold! The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Would you not agree? That is news worth making the front page. How about this one in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1? Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Is not that news worth making the front page that God loves me and is willing to make me his child? How about Revelation chapter 22 verse 12? Behold. I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Spurgeon said on this text, he says, I think it is so wonderful because it is so seldom seen. So let's behold it. In a world that accentuates division, in a world that promotes individuality and independence, the church and its leaders should accentuate unity. The Lord does not value independence in the church. He values interdependence in the church. We are in this together. It is news worth making the front page. Number two, I want you to see that unity is beautiful to consider. It is beautiful to consider. Look look at verse number two. It says, it is like the precious oil. Or excuse me, verse one again. It says, behold, now look, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He uses two words there to describe what this unity is. He says it is good and it is pleasant. Now the word good reflects uh, that we are fulfilling God's best. Meaning it is good because it is according to God's design. Good means pleasant and agreeable. So it is good because it reflects God's heart and purpose among unity for his people. So it's good in this sense. When we are unified, we are most glorifying God because it's what God wants us to do. I mean, it's exactly what John says in John chapter number 17 and verse number 20. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. Listen to this. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may also be one in us. Now listen, that the world may believe that you have sent me. How can we send a message to the world that we really believe the true and living God? Answer, we are together as the Father and the Son are together. And by being together, we are a direct reflection of his nature. And to be honest with you guys, there's no way that Christians could have many of their social media posts read and any outsider to look in and think, Yeah, these people definitely know God. So what is good about it? It's good that we have a message that the world cannot have right now. I mean, think about the polarization and the disunity and the critical and dividing messages in our world. It's on every front, is it not? Certainly it's there politically. 
I mean, it's so hostile, such a crazy and volatile environment that, that even last night in the State of the Union address, I mean, actual uh, uh, senators are standing up yelling at the President of the United States. And believe what you want to believe about politics, but friends, that's not a real good sign about how things are going uh, in our government. And it's not just that. Is it not race? Is it not culture? Is it not practice? Is it not ethnicity? It's everywhere. Everywhere you look, culture and politics and people are literally just shooting themselves in the foot and tearing down any hope that there ever be any kind of love and progress in this culture. And can I say this? It ought to look different in the church of Jesus Christ. So it is good, no doubt, but it is secondly pleasant. And that means doing life together makes life actually enjoyable. Would you believe that it can actually be enjoyable to be a Christian? And it can actually be enjoyable at your church and enjoyable among brothers and sisters in Christ? There are no people like Christians. It's the greatest brotherhood in all the world. I mean, how is it that you cannot literally just not even know somebody? I've never met them before, but then just in a, min, a, a moment, in a split second, as it were, all of a sudden you are absolutely, completely, and 100% unified to somebody else just because you know they're also a follower of Christ, or even better yet, a preacher of the gospel. And doesn't your heart just kind of leap out at you like, that's great. It's kind of like seeing somebody with a West Virginia hat on in the airport. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. When I see that, I immediately, immediately am drawn. I mean, I start like crossing over terminals and trying to get to the guy just to find out if there's a chance that, that he lived anywhere near where I lived or may happen to be a cousin or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> or how about, let me say it like this. Life is not enjoyable when your life is filled with constant bickering and conflict dominates your ministerial relationships. Man, that ain't no fun. And I'm certainly not saying life has to be fun. But there's absolutely no reason why I need to intentionally add to the misery that is already so prevalent in our world and in our culture. By fueling the fire of divisiveness in the church. And I love what David Guzik said here. He said, not everything that is good is pleasant. And not everything that is pleasant is good. However, when we are unified among God's people, it is both good and pleasant. Meaning, it's a win. It's a win for brothers to come together and have unity. Number three, I want you to see this. Unity is rich in practice. And I think this is a real important point that I really wanted to get across. It's not just enough to say, yeah, yeah, we're unified. No, 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 no. Unity is rich in practice. Notice it says there how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together. True Christian unity is like family. Now let me ask you a question. What do you do with a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or a brother or sister for that matter? Physically. Who does something different than you. Or acts different than you. Or is not as into the things that you're into as you are. I sure hope you don't cut them off and mislabel them and misrepresent them and marginalize them and polarize them and crucify them. No, no, no. 
this unity that God is speaking of here is something that we actually practice. We are, we are together. There's an active nature to this unity. And, and interestingly enough, if you look up at the beginning of the passage, look, look, look just under the label, Psalm 133. And, and most of you will have something like this said in your Bible. A song of ascents. Or a song of degrees, depending on what maybe translation you have. A song of degrees or a sense that, and it may say another, another thing in a different translation. But the bottom line is this. If you look from Psalm 120 all the way to Psalm 134, you're going to see the same thing repeated over and over again. It's a set. It's a set of psalms called the songs of ascent. Now, why are they called the songs of ascent? Well, literally, these songs were a hymn book that, that, that people sang as they ascended up to Jerusalem. So, so at least three times a year, according to Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 18, verse 18, all of the Israelite males were to come back together to Jerusalem to celebrate festivals. And so they had this songbook. For instance, you, you think of Psalm 121. In Psalm 121, which is another song of ascents, David says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? And that is a picture of a man who is about to leave his journey. And he's about to head to Jerusalem. And maybe he's going to go through one of those treacherous trails like the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he looks out to that trail and he looks out to that mountain and he goes, Who's going to help me as I travel back to Jerusalem? And he says, My help comes from the Lord. God's going to watch over my steps as I go to Jerusalem. And then there's like Psalm 122. Remember that one? I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. That's like everybody's back together. And they're walking into that temple, this magnificent place where, where the doors would swing open and the people from all over Israel would pour back in to celebrate the Passover and celebrate these different festivals of Israel. And Psalm 133 is a picture of what it's like inside the temple when these people from different towns and different cities and different families come back together and they worship. And that's why the songwriter says, man, isn't this great? Isn't this great to be back together? Isn't this great to worship again with brothers and sisters? Or, or isn't it great to go to a conference where you can just lift up your heart and your voice and you can sing and you're not necessarily worried about who wrote the song and how old the song is and, and uh, if the song was sung by Bethel or Hillsong or somebody like that. You're just good. You're just glad to sing a song because it lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ and talks about being saved. You know, I don't think when the Philippian jailer heard Paul and Silas singing about amazing grace, I don't think he looked it up on Google and said, I wonder who wrote that song. I think he just said, my goodness, what do I need to do to be saved? You see, this rich in practice uh, unity is about cooperation, it's about support, it's about prayer, it is about care, it is about reaching out and partnering together for the gospel of Jesus Christ and coming together just like they did in the celebration of God's people three times a year. Then finally, I want you to give, see this and we'll be done. Unity is refreshing and healthy. Now, I want you to notice in verse 2, and then in verse 3, look, look at the first three words. It is like, and then down in verse 3, it is like. It is like this, and it is like this. It, what is it like? What is unity like? Well, the, the first thing he says is it's like oil. But not just oil ge generally or generically. It's like oil running down the face and the beard 
Aaron, that's a priest. And this picture, it's given to us in the book of Exodus. It's the anointing of the priest. It's when the priest is consecrated and set apart for service. And what do they do? They poured that oil out on his head. And look, I'm not talking about sticking a little dab of oil on somebody's forehead. I'm talking about a pouring out of oil. So much oil that that oil would fall down the face and drip through the beard. And I think it's Exodus 35 even talks about how that oil is going to get out on the garment. It's going to run down from his head. It's going to run down uh, his beard. It's going to drip down upon his garments. I mean, this is a picture of absolute refreshment. Just like in the New Testament, what did Jesus say? Hey, man, I came to your house, and you didn't give me any oil to refresh me, to welcome me? Folks, this oil that is being spoken of is talking about the oil that consecrates us, the oil that sets us apart, the oil that puts us into God's service. And folks, make no mistake about it, there is a picture, an oil in the Old Testament that's a representation of the powerful and mighty spirit of God that anoints people for the work of God. And friend, I want to tell you, there is no doubt, I think what is being spoken of here is that when unity is present in the church, the spirit of the Lord is there. And when the Spirit of the Lord is there, there is refreshment and there is liberty. Aren't you glad for, at least longing for, or looking for a ministry, a pastorate that is not consumed with what people think and what people are writing about, but is rather consumed with only one opinion, the opinion of the Holy Spirit of God? That is when you're going to see a refreshment and a falling down and a feeling that is going to completely change and transform transform your ministry. It's either him or them. There's only two people that can run your church, sir. It's either him or them. And if it's them, you have no freedom. You have no liberty. You have no Holy Spirit. Because it's always concerned. If I do that, then this. If I do that, then this. If I say that, then this. If I read that, then this. If I post that, then this. Who's in charge. It's like oil. Anointing the priest. Soaking his clothing. And secondly, it's like dew falling on Mount Hermon. Now Mount Hermon is in the northernmost part of Israel. Uh, feeding three different streams including the Jordan River. It's the only mountain in Israel that, that is known for snow. It's the only, as I recall, the only ski slope in Israel is on Mount Hermon. It's way off in the distance. In an otherwise wilderness or desert type climate, off in the distance, the dew falls onto the hill. And watch this. That dew sometimes turns into snow, but when that snow melts... That snow is feeding streams, and those streams literally feed the entire ground of Israel. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one mountain, one mountain that receives this dew, and it literally feeds the tributaries that feed the plants, that feed the rivers, that feed the seas, that that cause the vegetation to grow? I wonder if you're catching what I'm saying tonight. What a beautiful thing. To be in unity and have the Holy Spirit on your church so that in turn your church can be a refreshing 
place where sheep can be nourished, not beaten. And only when you're preaching and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the unity of the body of Christ, filled with the word of God, letting the word only drive your message and your ministry, letting the spirit of God control you and filling you, providing for the sheep refreshing streams and refreshing grass, will you begin to experience what it actually means to have church. This will culminate in picture, I believe, in verse 3. There the Lord commanded the blessing. What is that blessing? Life forevermore. What is this unity ultimately a picture of? Answer, it is a picture of what it's going to be like when we're in heaven. And they sang a song, Revelation 5, 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands singing with one voice. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Now here's the determination that I made, I hope you'll make somewhere in your life, hopefully now. I refuse to allow myself in any way, shape, or form to be divided against a brother that I'm going to spend all of eternity with. And when we come together and sing and serve together like this, we're getting just a little taste of what it's going to be like one day in heaven. Didn't we see this just a few weeks ago in the NFL? I mean, do you remember where you were on Monday, the Monday night football game when the Bengals were playing the Bills? Do you remember that? Do you remember where you were with a, just a few minutes ticked off the second quarter when DeMar Hamlin fell after getting hit or hitting, making a tackle? you remember that? Remember where you were when he fell lifeless and cold on the floor of the field and all of a sudden the world stopped? Were you watching that night? I know I was. Were you watching when the sportscasters and the world just froze for about an hour? And teams hit their knees and later reports of the stadium there in Cincinnati were that the place was silent other than the sobs and the prayers of both Bills and Bengals players to, or, uh, fans together praying. All of a sudden, football just wasn't that big of a deal anymore, was it? In fact, it wasn't just that night. If you were paying careful attention, the world got all of a sudden, for just a minute, arrested with the power of prayer. Every NFL team in football put a pray for DeMar number three on their uh, photo on their social media accounts. In fact, the very next Saturday night, me and some of my buddies from our church here were at the Jacksonville Jags Stadium watching Jacksonville play Tennessee on that Saturday night game that allowed them to get into the playoffs. We were all there. Awesome football game. But when I got down to my seat, I looked down at the field. Even the three on the Jaguars field was painted blue and red. Pray for DeMar. Well, how about that? How about people dropping what stood between them to focus on what mattered more? Maybe the gospel 
matters more than what kind of music I use in church. Maybe the gospel matters more than what I wear when I preach on Sunday morning. Maybe the gospel matters more than a preference about a Bible translation. Maybe the gospel matters more. And if we could just take a moment and frame that in our hearts and believe that, not trying to change who we are or what we even believe, but how we treat somebody else that isn't exactly doing exactly the same thing. That is what unity teaches. And I pray by God's grace it's what we will take as we leave this place in just a couple days. Can we pray together, please? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. We're going to sing together one final time. I just want to encourage you. Make it a time of prayer and praise and thanksgiving in your heart. Maybe, maybe in some way you found yourself caught up in that, either inadvertently or, or directly. Maybe it's a choice I've made. Maybe it's just a fear that I have. Of What would it look like if I truly was filled with the spirit, filled with the word, unified around the only things that matter? I wonder if something needs to change, not necessarily in what I believe or my opinions or my preferences, but maybe something needs to change in the way that I treat somebody else, even in the church or another brother. Maybe it's just a mindset adjustment that I need to make. I don't know. But we can take a moment and pray about that tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. If you want to come, we, we open up our altars here, pray. If you want somebody to pray with you, you can let us know. We, we got a team of people who love to pray with you. You may have a need. You may have a concern in your heart about something going on maybe at church or in your own life you can come and pray and our people will be glad to pray with you as well but whether you come and pray or whether you worship with us right now it's all good let's just receive the word with gladness let's just thank him for the truth of the bible and let's, let's commit ourselves to live that out in whatever way we can for the glory of God so right now, if you want to come and pray, if God spoke to your heart, great. If you want to sing, great. If you want to pray with me or somebody else, great. It's just all good to be here. So let's sing together. The group's going to come. If you want to sing, let's sing together. If you want to pray, come and pray with us. And let's respond to the Holy Spirit.